to talk to you. I'm going to start a series today. And let me just say, I had all my notes already, and yesterday I sat down, and God changed everything I planned to say. <laughs> but I'm still on this series. I want to talk to you about healing. How many know healing is provided in the atonement of Jesus? Now, I'm not nearly going to get finished. It'll take a, a number of weeks to go through this, but I'm going to start. I want you to notice some things. Uh, number one, as I go through, I got three scripture passages to start, kick this off, that I want to read to you. I want, to note, I want you to notice a couple of things in each of these scriptures. First one's Acts 10, 38. Now, this is a scripture that is dear to me. When I wake up at night, I often, my mind goes to Acts 10, 38, and I let it revolve over and over inside me. During the day, when I'm in my truck driving somewhere, often Acts 10, 38 comes right up to my mind. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You can turn me down a little bit. I hear myself behind myself. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Did you know there's the Trinity right there? There's God the Father, there's the Son, and there's the Spirit of God. So they're all three in one. With power, that word power is, is, is miraculous power. It's dynamic power. It's explosive power. It says he went about doing good. How many know Jesus is still doing good? And then it says healing. Everybody say healing. All who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now that's rich. Healing. So question is, would there be healing in God? Would God be for healing or sickness? Would God impart sickness or healing? According to that scripture, healing, right? He went about doing good. Is healing good? That's what it says. He went about doing good and healing. And here's Revelation. All who were oppressed by the devil. So the inference is, could sickness be oppression of the devil? Question. Is COVID-19 oppression of the devil? Should we fear it? A lot of people are. How many know Jesus hadn't changed? He was the same before COVID come. He hadn't changed since COVID's been around. And he'll still be here when it's gone. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Sickness is oppression of the devil. For God was with him. Is that good? See, I love to meditate that scripture because it stirs me up. If you meditate that scripture, you find out <laughs> God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. That dunamis power is inside you. Miraculous power, dynamic power. That means power to change circumstances, power to change things, power to move sickness out of your body. Then Psalm 103, first four verses, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. So I want you to notice in these verses, uh, forgiveness, mercy, grace, power, and healing are all available in God through Jesus. Yes or no? 
I notice it didn't say who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases except for COVID-19. That's not what he said. Huh? I'm going to come to a point in a minute. Who redeems your life from destruction. Is that good news or not? Who crowns you with loving kindness, tender mercy. This is Matthew 9, first eight verses. I love this story from Jesus' life. Jesus climbed into a boat, went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. So here's a man, his friends loved him enough to bring him in front of Jesus. Obviously, Jesus, they had seen him around people and people were being healed. Their friend was flat on his back, he couldn't walk. So they, they picked up a mat, led him down in front of Jesus. So again, some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, why didn't he say get up? He was making a point. But some of the teachers of religious law, now that's why he did it, said to themselves, that's blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Jesus knew what they were thinking. He asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand and walk? But, so I say to prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up. Pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up and went home. Wow. Do you see what Jesus did there? He paralleled forgiveness of sin with the healing of disease. Did he or did he not? Why did he do that? Because Jesus knew when he went to the cross, when he was going to go to the cross and rise from the dead, he knew full well the sacrifice he made for humanity to forgive our sin would also rid us of sickness and disease and give us faith in him that regardless of what the enemy brings by way of attacking our physical bodies with sickness, we can ward it off and stand against it. So, so what can I surmise from that? The same faith that forgives sin, that I can have in God to forgive my sin. How many in here have sinned in your life? Raise your hand. I'll raise both. <laughs> yeah, right. So you have faith in God to forgive your sin, do you? How many have faith in God to forgive your sin? Raise your hand. What do you do for God to forgive your sin? Well, you confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, right? And then cleanse you from unrighteousness. What's the bottom line of trusting God to forgive your sin? You've got to believe what God said. How many of you have had the experience that I've had when I've messed up and I fess up and I confess my sin, the moment after I still don't feel forgiven? How many have had that experience? How many know you have to go back to the Word and say, well, God, you said you forgave me. My feelings tell me I don't, you don't, but you know your Word says I do, so I'm going to go with your Word. Now, if you've got a mind like mine, which tends to be an obsessive mind, a person like me, that's my personality type. I've said that 100,000 times probably, but that's me. But you know, my obsessive mind said, well, I don't feel forgiven. Look what you did. Remember what you said? Look how you acted, blah, blah, blah. God remembers that. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. The Bible says when I for he forgives me, he forgets what I did. The Bible says if I confess my sin, he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me. Yes or no? From unrighteousness. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he's removed my sins from me. Yes or no? The Bible, say, the Bible says he's forgiven my sins and won't remember them. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember your sin. Yes or no? 
So what do I do with my mind? Say, mind, shut your mouth. Now just shut up. If God said he forgave me, he forgave me. I know I don't feel forgiven. The last person to forgive me is usually me. The first person to forgive me is God. And then sometimes other people may forgive. Others still may hang on to it. You know what I found? Even when God forgives, sometimes we hang on to it. God said he forgot. But the bottom line of all that is you receive forgiveness of sin by faith in God's word, yes or no? You receive healing exactly the same way. That's what Jesus said. Whether it's easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk, but that you may know that I've got power to forgive sin, get up. That's awesome. Now, what does that tell you? The same faith that forgives you is the same faith that will bring healing to you. Question, do you have faith for forgiveness? Yes or no? Do you have personal faith for God to forgive your sin? Then with that same personal faith, you can receive healing. Now, I didn't get the same response without you looking at me. Did Jesus say it or not? Then why don't we embrace the same power of God to heal that we do to forgive? We should, yes or no? All right. God wants us to walk in divine health. He's made it available to us by the sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary, just like forgiveness of sin is available. Like I said, many churches don't teach and preach healing because they don't know about it. I went to a church almost 18 years. I never heard one sermon, not one message, not one Wednesday night teaching on the power of God to heal. Not one time what I heard at church, and I was raised, and I went three times a week with my parents uh, I, here's what I heard. This is what people have faith in. Well, God will heal you if he wants to, but it might not be his will to heal you. And so God's will is subjective to the person, to the circumstance, and what he may or may not want to do with an individual. And, and so that's what this says. Sometimes God says, so if you pray for healing, sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God just don't say a thing. Then you just got to hide out and wait, see what's going to happen. And if the person didn't get healed, well, that wasn't the will of God. If they get, did get healed, well, God had mercy on their soul. Yes or no? Anybody else raised in that kind of environment? Let me ask you a question. Did that give you any faith in God to heal you? If faith rests on the will of God and you don't know the will of God, then you have no faith for healing. And that's another lesson for another day. I'm not even going to talk about that today. I found out 18 years old, came to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Spirit, got into the Word. Really, for the first time in my whole life, it's like blinders fell off my eyes. I found out the same, the same faith that forgives me is the same faith that heals me. Now, that's a big deal. I'll talk about it later. That was a big deal to me. When you get a hold of the healing power of Jesus, I tell you, it'll set you free from fear like nothing else can. How many hear me? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, I never had faith for healing because I never heard the word about it. So let me ask you a personal question. When's the last time you heard uh, healing? The word of God about healing. Now, I took about, I don't know how many weeks. I think I had uh, Isaiah can probably tell me I didn't count, but I had weeks and weeks and weeks on my podcast, and I talked about healing, and it took weeks and weeks and weeks. You remember how many? I think it was uh, over 50. 55 lessons on healing on my podcast. They're on my podcast today. 
So when's the last time you heard about healing? Let me ask you another question. When's the last time you heard about how bad COVID-19 is? Huh? Let me ask you some questions. Have you heard anything about healing from the news media? Huh? CBS? NBC? ABC? MSNBC? CNN? Fox News? What's the other ones? Newsmax? Huh? No, you hadn't heard any of that. Have you heard anything about healing? Have you heard anything about sickness from the news media? ABC? NBC? CBS? MSNBC? CNN? Fox News? How about the social apps? How about Facebook? You heard anything about healing there? You know, now if you put something up that somebody doesn't like on social media, you got this little box that says, well, now let me tell you some facts. Have you clicked on any of those boxes and read anything about the healing power of Jesus? If you have, please raise your hand. I don't see any hands. So let me ask you some questions. What, what, is, what is huge in the world today? Faith in sickness. Yes or no? What does that breed? Fear. It does breed sickness. The first thing it brings is an absolute diabolical fear. Question, has fear dominated the world? Question, is fear dominating me? Is fear dominating you? Here's what you find out. What you hear the most of is what rules you. Yes or no? So here, here's what I purposed in my heart. Now, I've been doing this for y'all for a long time. I came to Jesus September 12th, 1976. I'll get into the weeds of that in a minute. But I found out real quickly if I'm going to walk with God, the only way to walk with God is get this book right here called the Bible and get it inside of you. That, and, and cause it to be so much stronger than any force or circumstance on the outside. And if you've got it inside of you, you can weather any storm. You can resist any power. And I don't care what the fear is, you can knock it out of your life. But without that, we'll succumb. So I want to talk to you. And I had four points, I'm going to get to one. <laughs> about four things you need to do to receive healing. The first one is we'll deal with today, and I won't get any further into this. You've got to deal with fear. If you're going to walk in health, you've got to deal with fear. Yes or no? I wrote this down just now, and I've never said this, but it's true. Fear makes no decisions for me. Do you hear me? Or I could turn around and say, I make no decisions because of fear. Zero. I chose that years ago, y'all. Question, do you make decisions based on fear? Don't answer it right yet. Second thing is you can't walk in faith and fear at the same time. It's not possible. 
If you've got fear of sickness, fear, and I'm talking about picking on COVID-19 because it's paramount today. But you talk about any kind of sickness. If you've got fear, fear and faith are opposites. It's not possible to walk in fear and walk by faith. Is that true or false? So if, I ha- if, if fear is ruling a decision, is my faith ruling me? Huh? Y'all mind if I ask questions? There's an epidemic of fear today that in my opinion is stronger than the COVID-19 virus itself. Worldwide. It's affecting businesses. It's affecting governments. It's affecting individuals. It's affecting decision-making processes. Yes or no? It's affecting how we live. And it's all based on words. Question. See, I have to, do you ever ask questions? Do you? Often, do you ask what you do? Do you ask questions when you hear things? You do? You do ask questions? Or do you hear things and say, well, that must be true. It's coming from them. Right? I got to slow down. You got to think about it. A large portion of people today are not thinking. Nobody makes my decisions for me. I make my decisions based on what I really believe. Is that true or false? Now, here's the challenge. Y'all ready for a challenge? What affects what I believe? What I hear the most of. Is that true? Question, what are you hearing the most of? Faith or fear? Do y'all want me to quit right now or keep going? You know, this fear that has gripped the world, it's almost a supernatural thing. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? Because common sense and reason has been thrown out the window. Scientific fact has been thrown out the window. Yes or no? I've read, I don't know how many articles by people that are really a lot smarter than me. They've got uh, lots of initials after their name. They're lettered people. They're smart. They're wise. They're scientists. They're physicians. And I've read it over and over and over. And then, you know, on various apparatus, I can find videos. And I've watched and listened and I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And let me tell you, if you, if you want, um, you know, the philosophers, the Greek philosophers said, truth is the mean, the center between two extremes. Now, you've got some idiots on both sides of the column. 
I don't know how else to say it. You can be far left or far right. Ever since I knew Jesus, something about me, and I, 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 I guess because God knew I was going to be a pastor, I've always wanted right in the center. I want to be right in the middle. I want truth that's balanced. Truth taken to the extreme becomes error. Yes or no? So, boy, you got to have a discerning heart today, do you not? My goodness. So fear has taken center stage today, all based on what people hear. But nonetheless, these uh, videos and these, uh, I mean, I've really, I don't know, several dozen articles I've read. And they're really smart people. And, and the, the problem I'm having is their voices are muted. They can't say what they want to say. Have you heard that? Why would that be? Why? I mean, I've lived 62 years. I'll be 63 in October, but I've never lived in America where you couldn't say what you felt and believed until now. Now you're marginalized and vilified if your voice doesn't agree with some other voices. Is that right or wrong? Huh? Y'all are getting a lot quieter now. Is that right or wrong, really? Is that the way it's supposed to be? Am I supposed to follow whatever I'm told? Am I supposed to think? Do you think? Think. Think. Think in line with this. The entrance of his words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Isn't that good? You want me to keep going? Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts the Lord will be safe. You know, I was reading that. The fear of man brings a snare. The definition for snare, it's a noose for catching animals. A hook that sometimes grabs something by the nose. To be ensnared. What happens if if an animal's foot is caught in a snare? Can't go anywhere. What happens if fear snares me, it keeps me from doing what I want to do. Is that true? So he said here, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord will be safe. Then I think about fear. Yes or no on this one. If fear rules me, does Satan rule me? Huh? Well, y'all pretty good. Proverb, this, this is um, um, another translation, contemporary English version. Proverbs 29, 25. Don't fall into the trap of being a coward. Trust the Lord, you'll be safe. Coward. Um, November 1st, 1991. I'm sorry, not 1991. November 1st, 1998. About 11 o'clock in the morning and Quezaltenango, Guatemala, there was an airplane crash. It was a DC-3. My clothes were on that plane, but I wasn't. Friends of mine were on that plane. Eleven people died, seven survived. Uh, I'm not going to give you the whole thing, but just to say, so I went up to the crash site with a bunch of other people, 
doctors informed us what to do with shock victims, how to treat them, what to say and what not to say and what to do. So we're going around the mountain up because it crashed on top of the mountain. I get out of the truck. Immediately, my feet are met with red, sloshy, nasty mud, which covers my shoes and my pants leg. Walked up to the crash site, went over the top of the mountain, went down. There's a cornfield. There's a thousand parts to an airplane. I got friends laying there dead. Some had been decapitated. I just talked to these people the day before. A couple of days before. The moment my eyes saw the fuselage, the engines, the wires that govern the, the uh, systems of the plane, a voice came to me. It was very real. That was November 1st, 1998, January 1999. I was supposed to go to Calcutta, India for another missions trip. I already had it planned. I already bought the tickets. Going. But just as clear as I could hear you in conversation, I heard, you better cancel that next flight to India because you may die just like they did. And y'all, I've never experienced that kind of fear. Uh, it was debilitating. Um, it was all-consuming. Uh, it grabbed my emotions and my mind. My body began to shake and tremble when I saw what I saw. It's pretty traumatic to see a plane crash. And for just a few, I would say seconds, that thing grabbed me. I mean, something grabbed me, y'all. It was a supernatural grab. It wasn't a God grab either. It wasn't good. Here's one thing I'm glad about. God's word somehow made its way inside me. And here's what come out my mouth when that fear came. And I bellowed it out. And I don't care who heard it. If I have to live in fear, let me die today. Uh oh. I will not live a life of fear. I'll get on the next flight to India and I'll go and I'll obey God. And I'll never be ruled by fear. When I said that, it left just as quickly as it came. Now, how many, that, many, that taught me a big lesson. And ever since then, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I run fear right out of my life. I did it before, but that was a traumatic thing that I personally experienced. Job, let me co cover this. Job, Job had a problem with fear. Job's the oldest book of the Bible. Says so the first book, book of the Bible actually written. The book of Job covers about a year of Job's life. A year, uh, Job was a, a man of the East, Middle East. Uh, he was the wealthiest man, the Bible says, at, his, at the time. Job had 10 children, seven uh, 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 boys, three girls. They were all married. He had probably grandchildren. He had thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of cattle and donkeys, all that. Lots of land. He was a blessed man. His children were obviously moved away and living on their own. But Job had a problem. 
He'd get together and eat with his kids and they'd laugh and joke and he'd watch the grandkids perhaps play. When they'd leave, he'd go make sacrifices. So he'd say, God, I'm concerned my kids would forsake you and say something bad and the enemy would come in and hurt them. So he made sacrifices for his kids. The Bible says, Job 1, 5. Job chapter 2, Satan came up to heaven before the presence of God. Have you seen your servant, Job? He's the most upright man in the world. He's the wealthiest man in the world. You know what, God? You know, uh, all this stuff, bad stuff started happening to Job. He lost his children. Uh, Enemy came and killed some of them. Storms come and killed other ones. All of his cattle died. All of his animals died. His crops were ruined. The only thing he had was his health. And Satan said, God, if you take his health, he'll curse your name. And you know what God said? Well, devil, you just don't know things very well. He's already in your hands. I don't have to do anything. He's already in your hands. What caused Job, what caused his life to open up to calamity? Well, it tells you really clearly in Job 3.25, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. What do you fear? What are you afraid of? Some divorced people are afraid if they get remarried, the first thing, same thing will happen that happened in the first marriage that caused its demise. Yes or no? Some kids that are orphaned or parents treated them badly or the people that should be their care providers abused them mercilessly. Guess what rules them? Fear of what? If I get in a closer relationship, they're going to hurt me. And so they sabotage their relationships. Yes or no? For me, I was afraid. I was afraid I'd get sick and die as a kid. All my teenage years, you've heard the story. I was afraid. A debilitating fear came upon me at age 13. Why live? Why go to school? Why graduate? Why go to college? Why make money? Why get married? Why have children if you're going to die young? Somebody told me I was going to die young. I listened to them. I believed them. Never said anything to my parents, to my friends, to my brothers, two brothers. I never said anything to anybody, but the overarching thought in the background of my mind was, buddy, you're going to die. So I was wondering, how am I going to die? Is it going to be an accident? Am I going to get in an airplane and it's going to crash? Am I going to get in an accident? Age 14, I had a drug overdose and lost my eyesight, and I thought I was going to die then. See, I thought about it. Age 16 from a church, July 20th, 1975, I was 16. I'd be 17 in October. I totaled a car, leaving a church service where the preacher was saying, you may never have another chance to get right with God. You may go to hell today and pointed his bony finger at everybody. And I held on to the pew. We had pews in the church. And when that car accident happened, I thought I could die. I saw my whole life. I don't know how that happens, whatever the apparatus is in the physical brain that makes that happen. It's strange. But I had a fear of death. How can you, how can you live if you're afraid you're going to die? Fear. When I came to Jesus, Jesus conquered that fear in my life. And I can't tell you how grateful I am. Have you hear what I'm saying? 
Apostle Paul said this, 2 Timothy 1.7, God's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear, now, now watch that. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Everybody say it out loud. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Stop right there. Is that true? Is fear a spirit? Whatever grabbed my mind when that airplane accident occurred and I saw the after effects, friends, that was like a spirit. I, I, I'd never been so overcome in my life, in my life. And when I spoke words from right here, based on convictions from this book, it left as quickly as it came. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. That's miraculous power. That's explosive power. That's dynamic power. That's power that moves things. But of power, love, and a sound mind. Somebody translated it, power, love, and saved brains. I like that one. That's a mind that's at rest. A mind absent of fear. A sound mind. You know, there are, if you look in the dictionary, there are thousands of phobias. And then there are fear-based maladies. That psychotropic medications given by psychiatrists. Seeking to open up the synapses in the mind, brain, physical brain. So they'll make some connections that the traumas of life have distorted. Then there's psychologists. They just want to sit in front of somebody and talk to them. Many don't know God, but they just see the hurt, the loss, the pain. I appreciate people that want to help others, don't you? I do. But I want to tell you something. There's nothing like the power of God. If you let it, that can set you free from debilitating fear. I am quite heartbroken today that there's so many people in our world that are bound and dominated by fear. It's unbelievable to me. I've lived long enough and seen so much. just never thought I'd see this. I've never seen something so strong. I have to be real with you that... Um, this was March. I know these dates are weird. Everybody okay? March the 12th, 2020 was a Thursday. I had been to the mountains at a, um, at a board meeting at a ministry. I'm, I'm part of the board. And we had had a meeting for three days, and I was on the way. I'd come home with Susan that night about seven or so. And as, as is my custom, I, you know, go to bed and pray and stuff. And I went for a walk and was praying and then the next morning would have been March 13th and when I got home I heard about I mean we were in the mountains on top of a mountain in a cabin away from everything but when I got back that's the first time I heard, time I heard about this uh, SARS virus COVID-19 and what they were saying about it first time I heard about it 
I went to bed, got up the next morning, and as is my custom, I was praying in the Spirit for about an hour and then praying in English for a while. And then I just, you know, usually I just kind of get quiet. And when I got quiet, now I've said this many times, but God speaks to me sometimes one word. I love words. I've got books on etymology, which is the origin of words. And this is a, a word floated up. You can tell if it comes from out here or you make it up in your own head. But this one came up inside me. And, and I'd never used, I'd heard it, but I never used it in my vernacular, in my language. Nefarious. When I thought about COVID-19, the word nefarious came up. Now that happened to me. I'd be a liar if I said it didn't. And it startled me, and I said, well, what is nefarious? So here's the, uh, directly from a dictionary I have on my iPad, nefarious. Wicked in the extreme. It's a 1600 Latin word, which means wicked, abominable, impious. It's connected to crime, wrong, impiety. And it's got a, it's got a prefix to it, which makes it mean not right, not lawful, not divinely spoken. But then in my little dictionary, it's got anonyms, synonyms, then you've got, of course, got the word definition, then synonyms. That's the words that are similar that can be used to replace that word. When I read the synonyms, and I've done this before here, but listen to them now a year later. The synonyms for nefarious. Again, God gave me that word for COVID-19. Listen. Abominable, atrocious, these are synonyms for nefarious, base, corrupt, criminal, degenerate, depraved, detestable, dreadful, evil, execrable, flagrant, foul, glaring, gross, heinous, horrible, infamous, infernal, iniquitous, miscreant, monstrous, odious, Opprobious, outrageous, perverse, putrid, rank, rotten, shameful, treacherous, vicious, vile, villainous, and wicked. Now, what do you think I did when God said that word nefarious to me? And then I read the synonyms. What on earth just landed here? Something from hell. Now, a year later... Something meant to divide so it can conquer. Something meant to instill fear instead of faith. Something meant to cause people to question one another, even themselves. Something meant to instill such fear that it changes the world. It's diabolical. It's from hell. And how many know we have to resist it? Yes or no? Now, I don't know what you've been doing the last year. A lot of people have locked away. I understand. I get it. If you're afraid, you do what comes natural, right? See, we all live with our belief systems. Again, what forms our beliefs? What we hear. I made a choice last March 
this is not going to dominate me. I've had faith in God to heal me since I was a boy, age almost 18. And I'm not giving my faith up for that. And so for the last year, I've been doing what I just always do, which is what? I, um, I read scripture passages that talk about the healing power of God, like Acts 10, 38, like Psalm 103, 1 through 4, like Matthew 8, 1 through 9. I got lots of others we'll be talking about. And let me tell you what it's done for me personally. See, it's kept my belief system straight. Let me tell you what I've not done. I've just chose not to listen to the talking heads. What are talking heads? Do you all know what they are? Fill in the blanks. What are you listening to? What do you believe? Right? And let me tell you what it's done. It's instilled a faith in Jesus in me. Let me tell you another thing I've done, and I found this out by living life. We'll talk about it later, but. Everybody okay? Time has just run out. I say out loud what I believe. Every day. I did it this morning. I learned when I was a kid, I had so many false beliefs about myself and about life and about others and about God. And they were really overwhelming. So when I came to Jesus, all the false beliefs was, you know, I woke up after, I mean, this was uh, Monday Uh, September 13th, 1976, the night before Jesus came into my life. And when I woke up, these guys were with me, and they said, hey, you remember us? They were thoughts. Remember, you're a defeated person. Remember, you're nothing. Remember, you're afraid. Remember, you're going to die young. Remember, nobody cares about you. Remember, you're unloved, uncared for. You're unworthy. You're a louse. You're nothing. You're guilty. You're full of shame. I said, well, you know what? I don't think I want you to be my friends anymore. And you know what I started doing? Saying out loud what God said about me. And guess what happened? They were no longer my friends. They ran away. And I've never let them back in my life. I started saying last year. Now, some of you are going to judge me for this. That's okay. I love you. Maybe, maybe none of you will. I'll say that. None of you will. I started saying I will never have COVID-19. Somebody say, well, why would you say something like that? Because, because this right here got right here, and it comes out my mouth. Now, if I said that based on wishful thinking, that would be another thing. But if I said that based on God and his word, that's another thing. Yes or no? Well, you better watch it. The devil might hear you. That's the reason I say it. Where I go in Africa, I've been there a lot. 15, 16, 17 times. We have 12 churches in Africa. Uh, No running water, no electricity. The people don't take baths. Do you know what you smell like when you don't take baths? Do you know what kind of cooties are on you if you don't take baths? You know what gets in your clothing if you can't wash your clothes? Have you ever smelled clothes that haven't been washed for three months? Have you ever smelled a human body that hasn't been washed in months? 
No, it's not that they don't want to. There's no water. You know how blessed you are? Have you ever been cooped up in a room that, with people that have never had baths? Or, or at least for months and months? You have any idea of the atrocious smell? What would be in the atmosphere, medical doctors that are here, what would be in the atmosphere of a room of people that never bathe? Do you think there would be stuff in the air? Yes or no? Now, what I'm talking to you, here's a scene. There's a 1,000 people in a room that probably should seat 500 or less. They're butt to butt, butt cheek to butt cheek. I mean, tell you. There's one door, no windows. One light, two lights. I'm on the platform. It's got to be reaching 100 degrees. I have to wear a coat and a tie. And I'm sweating. And I'm miserable. And my human brain says, there's cooties in the atmosphere. You know what I mean by that, right? This thing's going to get on you, you're going to get sick. And you know what I said? Himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. I will not get sick from this. How many hear me? I've gone from some of these places. I got lots of stories and with a lack of time to tell it. Hacking, coughing, wheezing, and then thoughts coming. I said, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't receiving that today. I'm not receiving a UPS package from hell today. When you say out loud what you fear, you're accepting a package from hell. And I've had a boatload delivered to my life. And every time I resist them. How many hear me? I've had packages that had cancer on them. Packages that had flu. And yes, I've had packages that said COVID-19. I don't accept them. I've had packages that said skin rashes, skin diseases because of the places I've been. I said, and you know what? It all, it leaves. I'm telling you, it leaves. Friends, today is a day. To build up our faith. What rules you? Faith or fear? Bigger than that, what are we listening to? What we listen to the most is what chooses how we believe. Now, you don't choose what you believe. What you listen to chooses what you believe. Did y'all get anything out of this? I got a whole lot more where this came from. Now listen, I hope you're not upset or mad with me for what I said. If you are, come and let's talk. I I got to be real. I got to be me. But we're dealing with some... Here's what I think. None of this is going to let up. There are systems worldwide that have figured out how to control people. Now I'm going to say this and leave it right there. Because I don't know what to do with it yet. But Revelation 13 to 14, talk about something people get and you can't buy or sell or do anything unless you got it. And there's some uncanny stuff being talked about right now with respect to medical stuff. Yes or no? What you going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know. Is that it? I don't know. But it sure is strange, isn't it? 
I've read the Bible now all my life, and to see these kinds of things come up now with fear attached to it and control attached to it. Yeah, I think the word nefarious may fit well. So here's what I've got confidence in. God, my Father, has my back. And God, my Father's got you six. How many hear me? And he's not about ready to let you tumble and fall. Is that good? Y'all got enough time for one more scripture? Psalm 91.5, New International Version. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the error that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That's really good. Now, you know, some of us in here, I I think I've actually had COVID-19 before it was COVID-19. Some of us in the room have had family members that have died. I get it. I get it. I can say a lot about all that. I'm talking about me and you. Right now, we is alive. Encouragement with all this. Don't let fear rule your life. Let your faith rule you. If you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you have a conviction not to, that's up to you. That's between you and God, right? Don't let somebody else tell you what you want to do. You do what you're supposed to do based on your convictions, right? Live by your convictions, right? Right? Yes? Everybody listening? And don't get on somebody else if they don't have yours. Hush up. Pray for them. Pray for yourself. Have them pray for you. Right? Yeah. And let's stay healed and whole. Jesus is a healer. The days and weeks, months, years to come before Jesus comes back, he's going to use you to minister life to others. How many want him to?